scratched it and it just it didn't get better. <laughs> oh, how about that cigar? How about that cigar? We were live. Oh man, it's all right. Don't pay pay no attention to what he. Nobody was heard about. that. Guys, welcome to How About That Cigar Live episode ninety. Four. Episode 94. It's insane. 94 episodes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us live in the Drew Estate Cigar Studios. Uh, if you are watching us live on Facebook or YouTube right now, take just a minute, share us out to your favorite Facebook cigar groups. Uh, and as always tonight, tell us what you're smoking and drinking along with us in the comments. Mm. Leave comments and questions uh, along the way during the show tonight. If you're listening on the audio podcast, thank you so much. Uh, because you have a lot of choices for podcasts when you're driving down the road or working out, whatever it is you do while you listen to audio podcasts. Thanks so much for making making us a part of that. Um, and let's talk about the Drew Estate Bauhaus, the new Liga Pravada Bauhaus. Let me grab that picture here. Uh, the basic tenet of Bauhaus architecture is that every object must have a purpose in the design. The new Liga Pravada Bauhaus Short Robusto pays extra attention to leaf placement within the cigar, intentionally designed to take our European aficionados through a newly curated experience. Bauhaus is a 114mm by 50 Short Robusto that is wrapped in a rich, earthy Connecticut broadleaf kappa. It includes bold Brazilian binder and is completed mm. using filler tobaccos from Honduras and Nicaragua. The Liga Pravada Unico Siri Bauhaus is packaged in an elegant gold-embossed 12-count box. For more info, please visit DrewEstate.com. I like a bold Brazilian. Do you, do you like a bold Brazilian? I do. I tried a bold Brazilian once, but, mm-hmm. you know, I spent a few days in the hospital. Did you? It's all good. I mean, it happens. What are you going to do? What do you do? You know, live and learn. <laughs> you know, fool me once. <laughs> <laughs> but so, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. <laughs> 20 bucks. So, you know, he, he's not wrong. So thanks again, guys, for being with us. Um, we are so excited for tonight. It's a really, really exciting show uh, that we will get to with our special guest in just a minute. First, uh, I, I, I'm sad. I don't want to talk about it, but we'll talk about it briefly. Uh, as Garrett can see on the show notes here, I didn't really write much for our opening, you know, small talk. I just put he didn't. Packers. Ugh. Oh. So... My team yeah. lost. What are you going to do? Um, they, I, you know, and I try to try to be here and uh, and support them. And uh, you know, like Matt said during the game, they never called us to come in and play. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was I was actually expecting a call. You know, I was, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know Matt Matt Lafleur has me on speed dial. You know, the coach of the Packers, I, and I figured I was going to get a call any minute that the uh, the team helicopter was going to come pick me up and have me come in for a couple plays, but I was here, but no, I don't know. Um, It was really cold there. Maybe there was bad reception. Yeah. It had to be. So it was, uh, it was a rough game. I mean, there were a few shining moments for, there was hope for the Packers um, for the majority of the game. Um, and that was, I think the frustrating part, you know, so, um, I don't, don't give me hope. Don't give me hope. (laughs) Don't, don't be a Vikings. (laughs) It was, Uh, but you know, as as much as I am sad that my team lost, I'm still a football fan, and I'm excited mm-hmm. for the Super Bowl coming up. This is going to be um, a great Super you Bowl. Know, Tom Tom Brady and Pat, Patrick Mahomes—they're a great story. It's and it's. I think it's going to be a great game. I hope it's going to be a great game. And uh, you know, the Packers. Hopefully, Aaron Rodgers stays around. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. see. 
I don't know. I, I, I think mostly the talk of him leaving is overblown. I do too. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And I just want to give a quick little uh, birthday shout out to uh, little Scotty Holtman, a.k.a. Turtle, a.k.a. Uh, Turtle. No more a.k.a.s. No more. I couldn't think of anything. Also, known as, also known as the thing I just said yep. a second ago. Yep. No, it's uh, so Turtle's having a birthday. Yeah, he's well, happy birthday. Five. Turtle. Turtle's he's five turning years old. Five. Yeah, our friend Scott Holtman, it's his little boy. So congrats and uh, happy birthday, little man. And uh, listen to your dad. That's all I can say. Yeah, unfortunately, dad's uh, taking care of a work emergency right now. But oh. Well, it's all good. It's all good. So let's let's dive in. I think let's we should. We have a lot of stuff to talk we about. We do have a lot of stuff to talk about. And let's get to our main segment of the evening. As always, guys, brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Mr. Jeff Borschwitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you will find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. So this is an exciting show this evening, ladies and gentlemen. A brand new company, a brand new start for Nat Sherman Cigar Brands. Please welcome to the show, back for his second appearance on How About That Cigar Live, from Ferry Otego. Please welcome Michael Herklotz. Michael, how's it going, brother? What's up, fellas? What's up? That sounds good when you say that. What's from the, oh, Tango? Yeah, very strong. Tango Fuego. Ten- <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Well, thank you. Begins. We are less than sixty seconds in, and the balls are being broken. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, how we do. That's how we do. That's how we do. Uh, so, thanks, brother, for being on the show again. You were back on uh, episode number fifty-nine. All the way back in, I think it was May 19th of 2020. And we talked a lot about pandemics and a lot about lockdowns and, and stuff like that. And it was, uh, I, I, I went back and listened to the, the show and it was, uh, there was a lot of talk about that, that, you know, where everybody was just in full on uh, quarantine mode at that point. But uh, things are looking up right now. So, you know, uh, huge congratulations to you for, uh, you know, for this, uh, for this news. Um, and like I said, back on the show before, one of the things we talk about for first time guests is, you know, getting a little bit of an idea of your, your origins in cigars and how you got started with that. But for, uh, for people who, uh, want to learn that story, go back and watch and listen to episode number 59. Uh, but tell us about the series of events that led to you and Brendan making this move to start Ferry Otego? Well, um, it, I guess it depends how far back we want to go. Um, so in October of 2019, we announced that um, we meeting Nat Sherman International announced that Altria was going to um, 
discontinue uh, being in the premium cigar business and would explore the opportunity to sell the Nat Sherman International entity. Um, and so that was a pretty exciting opportunity um, because it meant that that perhaps we were going to be able to continue on the legacy of our flagship retail store, the townhouse, uh, of our brands, our people. And things really were going well. There was a tremendous amount of interest. Um, it was a very exciting process. I mean, you know, just from a from a new opportunity standpoint of and, and learning new things, being able to work on a project like that was was very, very cool. Um, and so we made a tremendous amount of progress, um, picked up right after the new year in January of last year. And um, and we're really moving pretty quickly um, as it is certainly no surprise. And we touched on, uh, on our last interview come, um, I guess, March, the principal deal really just kind of fell apart as, uh, the preferred buyer kind of pumped brakes. No surprise, um, obviously in a pandemic and no one's ever gone through one before, um, at least in the last hundred years. Uh, people had to triage their own business. They had to make sure that they could keep their people employed and and figure out how to do their own business. And so uh, as a result of that, obviously, um, the Nat Sherman acquisition got put on hold for that buyer. But we didn't stop there. And I think if, if I recall back to our conversation in May, we had gone back and uh, were back engaged with other buyers to see how we could put together um, this package again to successfully transact. Um, we spoke in May. It looks pretty good in May again, uh, but as time went on, as the pandemic went on, you know, those sort of ebbs and waves, it, it really just became incredibly complicated. Um, and uh, again, not not surprisingly, uh, you know, I certainly don't have any grudges. Um, it just wasn't the opportunity for a buyer to buy a business. Um, and so we made the really difficult decision in July um, to not start over again once the last deal basically uh, fell apart. Um, and so we announced uh, in July that we were not able to transact um, or find a buyer that met our criteria for a successful transaction. And so we basically began, um, you know, a, a dignified wind down, if you will, of our operations. We sold all of our inventory. Uh, I wouldn't say that we liquidated, um, but, you know, we certainly provided really good deals, both in the store and on the wholesale level. Um, so lots of folks were able to stock up on products, um, whether for their stores or for their own collections. And, um, you know, as I mentioned it on a, in a conversation the other day, growing the business the last uh, nine years was not an easy thing to do. But man, winding down a business was way harder than I thought it would be. Um, so we spent really July, August, September, and October winding down the business. And then the first 15 days of November I was on really just kind of buttoning things up and making sure that there were no loose ends um, so we could turn everything back over to Altria. Uh, and then right around that time... Um, Personally, I was I was just really struggling with with um, the idea that nine years of of my hard work, 
90 years of, of a legacy of the premium cigar brands for Nat Sherman International, I was just struggling with the idea that it, they really were just going away when there was nothing wrong. I, you know, we didn't do anything wrong. The products were great. People right. were, enjoyed smoking them. Stores mm-hmm. enjoyed selling them. Um, that it was just circumstances beyond our control that that landed us in this place. Um, and that was just, it was becoming a very hard pill to swallow. Um, and so I had a conversation with my partner, my partner today, but who really for all intents and purposes has been my partner the last nine years as the CFO for Nat Sherman International. We grew the business together, um, you know, this last almost decade. And I, and I said, you know, I'm really struggling with this. And he said, you know, he was too. We worked so hard to try and sell. And, uh, and so we just kind of agreed, like, let's, let's just take a shot and ask if they would even entertain um, potentially selling, selling the brands. And knowing that th- that was not part of what they were looking to do, the idea was to transact the entity, not just sell the brands, Mm-hmm. Um, that probably would have been easier to do, frankly. Um, but we asked and, uh, I have to tell you, it was a, it was a resounding yes. Um, of course it wasn't charity. We had to do our diligence <laughs> and put together a appropriate offer and, and, uh, and a plan. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that, that they were absolutely not only willing to entertain the idea, but frankly, um, as enthusiastic as we were that, that yeah. these brands could live on. Um, and, uh, and then fast forward. So I was, Ferry Otego is a, is a name that's meaningful to me. It's the, it's the motto on my family crest. Yeah. So you have the Herklatz family coat of arms, which sounds like we're very fancy when we're not particularly fancy. Um, but it, the motto uh, Ferriotego exists on our coat of arms, which you certainly can't see here, but that's my uh, family crest there in the ring. And it says it on the bottom. So I had, I had registered that years ago just to kind of protect it in case I wanted to do something with it. And so I was planning on just kind of slow rolling my own business and, and getting entrepreneurial and, and starting from scratch. Um, but as this opportunity became more and more realistic uh, I kind of walked Brendan through what my initial plan A was, and then we talked through how maybe we could kind of do it all. Um, and for better or worse, that's what we're doing, baby. So here's the Ferry Otego. Yeah, Dude, cheers. absolutely. Cheers. cheers. And uh, Michael, can you let us know what uh, you're smoking and drinking tonight? Yes. Um, I'm smoking the Timeless Prestige Especiale. Mm-hmm. Um which as much as I try and be creative, I have a couple other things over here, but I just, this cigar is, is a comfort cigar for me. Yeah. I really, the size, the flavor, the blend. Um, so I just, it was not my intention to smoke this. Actually, I picked out something else and I, I literally just lit the wrong cigar, but I'm thrilled I did. So <laughs> there we go. Well, uh, I also have a uh, Supreme, on deck, nice. which I feel like I don't smoke enough on shows like this, so I was going to smoke that. And then just for fun, I've got a, um, a original Panamericana Secreto from 2014. Nice. That is and awesome. I'm drinking um, a little scotchy scotch this evening. 
I was actually going to drink uh, a little rum this evening. And then uh, before the show, uh, you all shared that you were sipping on a little scotch. And that piqued my scotch curiosity. So yeah. a little uh, Tomatin 18. Salute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized, by the way, I didn't I didn't finish the probably the most important part of the first part of that story, um, which is the conclusion, which is so not only um, are we launching Ferriotego as a company, launching Ferriotego as a brand, but the most exciting piece of this is that Ferriotego was able to acquire all of the brands formerly sold by Nat Sherman International. So with the exception of the Nat Sherman brand specifically, which is still a cigarette um, that Altria owns, Metropolitan, Timeless, Epoca, uh, and Cora, which is our accessories, some of the other brands that we sold historically, we bought the brands, the blends, the intellectual property. We can re-commercialize exactly as we did before. And in fact, the only difference will be for those brands um, is simply modifying the existing uh, way we commercialize. This is terrible okay. light. My apologies. Uh, with that secondary band. Yep. It says exclusively for Nat Sherman International. That'll simply be replaced with a secondary band that says exclusively for Ferry Otago. But the blends, the manufacturers, um, all of that remains intact. Even our Metropolitan, our host, for example, uh, and Metropolitan Connecticut, those have been around since 1994, 1995. And, um, you know, I had the good fortune to work on those in my last nine years, maintaining those blends, making sure that they haven't changed in, in not just my nine years, but in the decades prior. So just based on our sales alone, I know how consistent we have been in preserving and maintaining those experiences, uh, which gives me all the confidence in the world um, that we're still going to be able to do it. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's it's great that that – you didn't have to that you didn't have to cherry pick that all the facings came came with the deal because you cherry picking it can be tough you know because it's like you know the you know I really really like that one or this one is a good seller or it's it's just better to have the family of facings all together i'm i'm very excited we're going to make small modifications only ones that make sense whether it's box quantity configurations or maybe tweaking a, a, a size or a format um, because we are starting at zero. We did not acquire inventory. We right. sold all the inventory. So it's, it's actually, it's a, it's a very cool opportunity to really be able to hard pause, scrutinize every skew, every offering, and just make sure that we are restoring the right thing, the right way at the right time. Yeah. And uh, can you tell me what this looks like for um, the factory workers, the farmers, all of those that were involved leading up to this? And, you know, are those relationships all still in play? And, you know, what does that look like? I'm, I'm really glad you asked me that. Um, it's a point I try and make and I tend to forget. Leading up through the um, the transaction process not our transaction in acquiring, but the, the transaction trying to sell Nat Sherman International. One of the things that was the most important, not only to, to me personally and to Brendan, but also 
the the larger uh, Altria group was really trying to do the best thing for our people. We wanted to be able to land people and land these brands with uh, a great new owner that would continue the stewardship of our legacy. Um, and part of that was, of course, trying to keep in place as many of the people and the relationships as possible. And that's not just our relationships with our customers and not just our relationships with our employees, but also the manufacturing partners we've had for all these years. The, the relationship to Nat Sherman dates back to the 1990s with both the Casada family and the factory in Honduras um, that was formerly owned by the Aeroa family, now owned by Davidoff. So you look at the the um, the history of um, of the mutually beneficial dependency of the Nat Sherman uh, International products and their manufacturers. Um, it, it goes back decades. So you know the longest running, of course, the Castada relationship then um with davidoff who acquired camacho um 2008 maybe something like that yeah um and then our relationship with placencia which was one that i began right after i joined 2011 those are really really important relationships not just for consistency and continuity of product but for their well-being for their mm -hmm. employees uh, they depend on our volumes as much as we depend on our volumes. Yeah. So yeah. the the idea that um, that the company was going to go away was not just uh, disappointing for us; uh, it was very disappointing for them. Um, and and so this this has really allowed things to kind of come full circle. Um, and you know, for our employees, they got uh, soft landings. Um, I shared that on the show last time. Altria was incredibly generous to make sure. I think the way I said it at the time was if if somebody wasn't placed as part of a transaction, that there would be soft landings for them. In this case, no one was placed because there was no transaction, uh, which means everybody was the was the um, beneficiary of of that generous soft landing. Yeah. So it was great for all our people. But the people who were left out of that soft landing, of course, were our manufacturing partners. Um, and so this is really an exciting opportunity to go back to them and say, OK, let's let's turn the machine back on. You know, let's yeah. all get in this together and, and let's get it back. And uh, that was an exciting conversation to have with all those folks. I think I don't know if they're as excited as I am, uh, <laughs> but if they're not, they're pretty damn close. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, it's funny because sometimes the way a question is asked is more important than the, the question itself. And Garrett, Garrett, actually, I had the, this similar question written later in the yep. show notes, but, but Garrett actually picked the perfect time to ask it. And he asked it better than I would have, because that, that really means a lot. The, the people who, the people who actually, sit in those chairs day after day and roll that product and, and age the leaf and check on the fermentation and all those things. Um, the, of, those relationships tables. are so important and all those hands that go into the products mm -hmm. and everything. So, so we, obviously the, the, the number one, you know, uh, maybe not number one, but something that, that could be very important moving forward is like you said, 
making making the products that that come back onto the shelf now as consistent as possible with you know the 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 products you know the the timeless and the sterling and all that the this the the apoca the products that people you know have have loved for years that they can get that product again and it feels the same it tastes the same it draws the same all those things that it's, those are important factors and you're totally right about you know those relationships being key to what you're doing there will of course as always be folks who are convinced something has changed even when we when we did our rebrand exercise <laughs> in, yeah. in 2018 people were adamant not a lot but some adamant that something had changed um nothing has changed i mean literally nothing will change uh except for the things that we deliberately change whether we change a box configuration or maybe change a length or something uh we're really going to scrutinize it all but the the blends are absolutely identical um and the only thing subject to change are the blends if the blends don't taste the same when you maintain the proportions because crops change and so you know there is the the natural revisiting and tweaking of blends to make sure that it is the same it's what i call the it's the recasting of the roles um so that the experience is the same right so not my my analogy i don't think i did it on uh on on the last show but my analogy for that process is imagine a premium cigar is like a broadway show so phantom of the opera has been performed in every city on the planet with countless casts in multiple theaters but the show is the same no matter what if the intention for absolute consistency was was so um, strong that they have kept exactly the same cast in the same role since the show was released or first debuted in 1984, it would be a geriatric <laughs> opera. I mean, right? It couldn't possibly be the same show yeah. by keeping mm-hmm. the same people in the same roles. The same is true for blending cigars. So you have to recast. Let's yeah. say we were only making a limited edition of 10 cigars a year and we kept those bales perfectly so we could use the exact same amounts of the exact same tobaccos in those 10 cigars every year. Those 10 cigars would be different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the tobaccos are changing while they sit there. So the experience the show will not change. Yeah. Well, and that, I, I love that analogy. And, um, can you imagine all those oxygen tanks on the stage? <laughs> Bro, I mean, right. I've, I, the first time I actually said that analogy, I lost it. I started laughing <laughs> because I was just imagining like the, the, the phantom hobbling over <laughs> trying to, you know, hit his notes. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Well, and you see that sometimes, not to get off on this, but it's the they have those reunion concerts which sell out for you know five grand a, five grand a seat, easy. Yeah, you know, and they're and it's cool to you know get the band back together. But you know, when you've got like you said, you've got these people who played these roles back in nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty three, and 
they were fantastic back then. But, you know, the voice, the pipes start to lose a little bit of their luster over the years. And you get some of those people up, up on stage and and they're standing next to I mean, and, and they're iconic. They're standing next to these people who are, you know, in their 20s singing these roles and they have all the all the pipes in the world. And uh, it's nice to see them up there, but it's a little sad sometimes, too. Recasting is very important. Recasting is very important. <laughs> very important. Um, so you you talked a little bit about it, it sounds like from a transactional standpoint, you know, just the you know, the acquisition of the brands and, and all those things just from a pure business standpoint that I mean, it sounds like Altria were extremely amenable and and, and a great uh, a great group of people to work with just to get the deal done. So, so you could actually start putting in the work and, and building the brand. Is that, is that the case? Supportive, gracious. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's, it's, I understand people can have preconceived ideas of, of what an enterprise of that size um, is like. Um I know I shared on the last show, having spent three years inside, my experiences did not mirror some of the opinions of others that probably didn't spend time inside. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, all the way out, it was just the, when, when you think about the fact that they gave the time to try and sell they didn't have to do that. Right. I mean, let's face it. The the total contribution of Matt Sherman International to the enterprise that is Altria is probably less than the catering budget for the airplanes. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm guessing my opinion, but I, I it's it, it, of course it was not a meaningful, meaningful contribution to that level. So closing it and wind, just making the decision to close it and wind it down would have been a very easy one. Instead, agreeing to try and sell it in order to deliver it someplace where the legacy could live on, I think speaks volumes to their respect for our legacy, their respect for all of our hard work, and their desire to see it continue. Um, and as if trying to sell the company wasn't evidence enough, the fact that then they were agreeable to this proposition um, I think says a lot. So they yeah. incredibly gracious. My, the, the, the day of the announcement, I mean, it really was not particularly um, public until it was public across the board. I think I got more um, texts or probably as many texts from Altria co-workers as I got from premium cigar industry people. Just absolute like rah, rah, diehard enthusiasm. Like this is unbelievably cool yeah that's pretty great and, that is and i so uh, and i want to throw in a, a little plug here too for what garrett and i are smoking i was telling michael before oh, we went, I, I pulled some old cigar some old boxes out of my humidor so this this schrader came out in i want to say 2014 or 2015 uh and just this beautiful cigar in in little six count boxes and um, I'm, I'm glad I bought a lot when I did because it's been one of my favorites ever since it came out. And this 15, I mean, or, this is, 15 or 16, 15. Okay. So this, and this is just one of the examples of 
that people need people need to get out there. If there's if you have not spent any time smoking the 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 Nat Sherman cigars, whether it's the Timeless or whether it's Epoca or or Metropolitan. Me- Metropolitan, I mean, these are cigars that are made at some of the finest cigar factories in the world by some of the most skilled rollers working today and they have been for years and i have no doubt that they will continue to be i'm excited for you guys honestly i think it's i I think it's a great thing you're doing i I can't wait to see you know what happens one of the one of our viewers actually had a question about um Mm -hmm. when can we expect uh product to hit the shelves and retailers and availability things like that so we're sort of parallel pathing a lot of different things um, and this is this is one of those sort of un, very unique um, situations. I mean, we, we've got a we've got a startup. So Ferio Tego, for all intents and purposes, is a startup. Um, it's a it's a new brand, uh, new ideas, new brand identity, um, entering the market for the first time. And yet, under the Ferio Tego umbrella, we will prop up these brands that have now upwards of a, of a 25 year legacy. Um, so we're trying to do a lot of different things at the same time. The plan is today, which is obviously subject to change. The plan is to try and deliver Ferio Tego first by end of spring and then have uh, metropolitan and timeless and their sub brands ready to go for summer PCA um, timeline. Yeah. Obviously, there are a lot of moving parts. We have to reprint all our bands. We have to remake all our boxes. If you know anything about um, manufacturing <laughs> premium cigars, as most of our viewers do, when we say handmade, it's all handmade. So the, the boxes have to be assembled by hand. Not a thousand boxes, but... We have to restore, prop up from scratch, you know, a, a legacy business volume in boxes made by hand. So there's just a tremendous amount of work that has to be done, reprinting all the labels, reprinting all the filetes that go on the dress boxes, reprinting every band, reprinting secondary bands, plus looking at samples of those printed materials that each sample takes four weeks and then nothing can be printed in less than 12 weeks and have it delivered. Um, So there's just a lot of moving parts, but the plan is for end of spring rollout Ferio Tego followed immediately by um, Timeless and Metropolitan together. And then we'll focus on uh, Epoca after that. Okay. Now you said that uh, there was no product you acquired. How about raw materials? Did any raw materials make it in the transition? Uh, like what? Like tobacco? Any any tobacco at all? So, or, as yeah. as contract manufacturing um, goes, generally the tobacco and raw materials are the um, property of the manufacturer. So we didn't own raw leaf. Of course, there was Got specific it. tobaccos set aside for our projects, um, yep. but. Those weren't inventories that were owned by the entity that we had to purchase. Those are owned by the manufacturer. um, 
And now we re-engage manufacturers, reassess inventory levels of everything, tobacco, printed materials, uh, ribbons, cellophane, you name it, mm-hmm. and then kick back up. Okay. Well, and one uh, one of our viewers had a, a question I also had on my list, and, and that is that um, have you – because a lot of people forget that, you know, prior to Altria for – you know, decades and decades, the Nat Sherman brand was a, it was a family business and you were, you know, very close with uh, the Sherman family. So have you kept in touch with members of the family and has anyone reached out to you just to say congrats? Oh yeah. We, um, full disclosure. So I've been in touch with the Shermans um, even after Altria acquired the business. So the, it was a family-owned business through twenty through the end of 2016, and I joined the Shermans in 2011. My partner Brendan uh, was 2009, I think, and uh, so of course we worked we worked very close with the Shermans under their ownership as part of the executive team. You know, it was pretty daily interactions, um, and then uh, even after the acquisition. Um, the Sherman stayed on for a year. So we worked pretty closely during that year, um, as part of that sort of transition process to Altria. And then after that year was up, um, we were in a little less touch. I think that was really a time where they got to kind of sit back, put their feet up, um, and enjoy whatever the, uh, new, newfound life is after you sell your family business, spend more time as a family, I suppose, um, but we certainly have stayed in touch throughout. Once the news came out that um, we were entertaining uh, a sale, you know, they were very supportive, um, knowing that this was obviously a very difficult uh, period, certainly for us. It was not in the acquisition model for this side of the business to be um, spun off. And then um, we were obviously in touch as we announced that uh, we didn't successfully transact. And then fast forward, um, we spoke to the family the night before it was going to be uh, announced just to okay. make sure that, that they were, they were fully aware that they weren't caught off guard and, uh, and they, they couldn't have been more gracious or excited. Um, so it's, it really is perfect. Oh, that's good. And one of the, my biggest question is the townhouse. Is that, is that gone? Is that closed? Closed. So any, any plans of anything like it at this point? There's a lot to unpack with what seems like a very simple question. (laughs) So there is never going to be anything like it. That's just the fact. Right. Yeah, right. Um, for a lot of reasons, there is no way to recreate such an iconic um, piece of New York legacy history. In fact, uh, last month on the cover of New York magazine, they had these amazing it was an amazing cover of of just black and white illustrations of the things I think the, the headline was the things we'll miss most about New York, um, insinuating that New York is forever changed. 
And they were all pictures of very famous businesses like the 21 Club, which is now closed, um, and a lot of other businesses that were lost during COVID. And the Nat Sherman townhouse was in the top right corner of that cover. Hmm. Um, so there will never be anything like it. Yeah. Um, whether something goes in that space, I don't know. Um, what I do know is the way that the law is written today, there is absolutely no provision that would permit even another tobacco business to open in that same address. The way um, the mayor has uh, and city council created um, uh, caps on tobacco licenses by district um, and the limitations to transfer a license, um, it's it's absolutely paralyzing. So yeah. as I understand the law, unless there is um, some kind of exemption or something, uh, which I suppose is possible, and, and if there's any sense of of, uh, you know, human decency, you would hope that if if somebody went to the city council and said, we want to put a like business in the same address and the landlord agrees and this person agrees, could we just reopen? You would hope that that they would be reasonable. Um, I have no reason to think they would be reasonable, but I guess you never know. Uh, so the townhouse is closed. Um, that certainly was not part of our transaction. Right. And, you know, anything like it for us, that is obviously a, a, a consideration for way, way, way down the road. Um, we need to make sure that as now a startup, small family business in, in the tobacco space, that we are taking as big a bite as we can possibly chew, but without choking. Yeah. And, you know, this transaction, pretty big bite. So um, Brendan and I are simultaneously chewing as carefully as we possibly can <laughs> on this particular sandwich. And we're going to work on that before <laughs> we uh, get another plate. You know, I, I appreciate the sandwich, the, the yeah. pro proper pronunciation. <laughs> so, uh, I want to dive a little bit into the the first cigar, or is it first cigar that's going to be released, or is it cigars, the Ferry Otego cigar? So that now we're getting a little into the weeds of the um, to be discussed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, had that's, that's, I had to ask. No, no, and I'm I'm happy to go in because I was on a. Let me think. Was it Saturday? I was talking with. Uh, Boston Jimmy and he asked the question and you know I answered it the best I could with the info I have and every day things change we made a little more progress today so I feel a little bit better about you know sharing a little more uh, but I don't want to get over my skis so um, the the best way I can describe it now is um, Ferry Otego will be made up more of styles than blends. Um, okay. And the way I described it on Saturday is if there is an underlying theme, it's going to be body. 
body and mouthfeel. Um, you know, I love the way smoke, full-bodied smoke, hits my palate. And you can successfully have a very mild, elegant cigar with a very rich and full body. I yeah. think the, the Schrader that you're smoking right now is an example of that. Certainly Sterling is an example of that in our mm -hmm. Timeless blend. Um, timeless brand, rather. Uh, but also, when you look to some of our fuller lines, our 2020 TAA, um, that was a very full body, but on the opposite spectrum of flavor. So Sterling, for example, is quite um, what I call uh, light white flavors, wood, nut, cream, um, those types of flavors. Whereas um, if you look at Pen Americana or you look at uh, the 2020 TAA or the Epica Limited 2019, those are dark flavors. Yeah. Earth, spice, leather, cocoa, coffee. Yeah. But both um, had full bodies, round, full bodies. The intention of Ferriotego will be to um, to deliver on two different expressions, two different styles of full body. Okay. One playing in the lighter, whiter flavor range and one playing in the darker, richer flavor range. Okay. Okay. So to, to start with, there will only be one size in each um, style. And, um, you know, we're not calling them limited editions, certainly. Um, but really, in, in order to achieve what we are going to achieve, it's going to take a much more thoughtful production style. Um, and so they will be limited in production, not limited edition. Yeah, so we'll we'll make as many as we can possibly make. Um, we're also going to age statement every production, so each cigar will have um, the year that it was made. I like that. I like mm -hmm. that a lot. I wish I wish more. I wish more people would do that. I think. I, I but think I'm glad they don't. Yeah. No. That's yeah. That's a good. I'm point. really glad they don't. So can you can you uh, d divulge uh, who your uh, production partner is for that for the Ferriotego cigars longer term obviously the the plan is to um really start engaging with with um manufacturers outside of our repertoire obviously we want to keep um our key partners busy uh but i have absolutely no doubt that we're going to do that um but that said our first um, expression of these two styles are going to be with um, Quesada and Plasencia. Okay. They've been with us since the beginning. Um, you know, they, they, they know how we operate. They know what's important to us. They know um, what we accept and expect from a quality perspective. Um, and frankly, they are really excited um, about this next chapter uh, and I think based on our conversations, based on the on the blend development exercises that we've done, the early productions that we've done, um, I think they really share the vision of of Ferriotego. That's good. And, and they are. I mean, 
I can't speak too much to uh, Quesada from a factory standpoint, but uh, Placencia, I was I was fortunate enough to be there and see the facility and the people, and it's it's incredible. It's it's absolutely incredible. That's, I mean, I, no disrespect to any other factories because I've been lucky enough to be at a lot of great factories, but that's something about Placencia was that there was something special about that place. So uh, I I think they're great great people. What the Placencias have is what the Casadas have. Um, and it's what Ferriotego has, which is um, real heart, real passion. It's not, of course, the, the, the product is so important, but, um, but there's real intentionality in the ecosystem of the product. Yeah. Um, you know, they have they both families. They have profound um, respect and gratitude for everyone that makes it possible on both sides. So you know they can they can turn around and face the factory and look at um, production, look at supervisors, look at um, sorting and stripping and fermentation and aging and picking, packing, shipping, banding, uh, the farmers, you know, that ecosystem goes so far to the seed and even before the seed and then turn around and be equally grateful and appreciative to the other side of the ecosystem, to customs, to, uh, importers, shipping, uh, you know, retailers, wholesalers, distributors, consumers, bloggers, media, the and and not just appreciative and like thank you very much, but they're both Placencia and Casada uh, and Davidoff for that matter. Um, they just their level of appreciation and understanding of the the entirety of the process for me is a very important part of not only why we started working with them whenever we did, but also why we continued working with them for as long as we have. And that's also why there's just, there's absolutely no point of discussion with why we wouldn't continue to work with them in the future. Yeah. So when the, uh, you know, when the Kremlin and the CIA approached you for this conspiracy, what was your, re- you know, initial reaction? <laughs> I am generally really good with an off-the-cuff punchline that would mm-hmm. just crush, and yeah. I have I have nothing. I started oh, thinking about dude. trying to do like a Russian accent, but I didn't want to offend anybody. Plus, I don't know any words in Russian, so I was afraid I'd say something completely off base. And, uh, you know, I certainly can't play American politics because that will just explode no matter which way I go. So, I did it. One. I you did it. One master. Wow. Wow. Oh, you got to put our well guest done. Spot Thank while he's you. Live. Hey, yeah, cheers. Thanks, brother. Cheers. I just poured another little, uh, <laughs> little scotchy scotch. Uh, so, so I, I know this is a broad question, but if you had to define like the the big goal for for this first year for Ferriotego, mm-hmm. what would it be? 
we don't have outlandish um, visions of reality. I mean, again, we're talking about a, a startup and at the same time, a prop up of this, this legacy portfolio. And inevitably, this is not going to go perfect. And there's no expectations for it to go perfect. Um, my goal is to sell uh, the first releases of Ferriotego successfully. Yeah. Um, my goal is to re-engage both at the consumer level and at the retailer and manufacturer level uh, and begin to restore these legacy brands back into market. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, I think my, my larger, I have the total confidence that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just want some normalcy for the industry. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I just want to find my place in it. Um, you know, I'm, I've had a very unique career. I've, I've been, um, you know, pretty engaged in the industry for over 20 years. Um, the last nine and a half of which, uh, at a relatively senior level. Um, and I think, and maybe this is a personal thing, not a consumer, uh, perspective personally, I've struggled with the balancing my identity of just being an employee, which I was, but also dealing with um, some of the perception that uh, I was always in front of the brand. And so it was an interesting um, balance of trying to act with the uh, conviction and the responsibility of a principal without being a principal. Yeah. yeah. I'm just so excited that I can say after 20 years, I own a small family business in the premium cigar industry. And I would just like the industry and the world to kind of get back to a place where I can, I can really engage with people as a principal, whether it's my colleagues on manufacturing side, sitting down with retailers, lighting up with consumers, um, and just engaging in a way that I've never truly been able to engage. And maybe it won't feel any different um, for anyone else, but it sure as hell is going to feel different for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you go ahead. well, no, and we've got a, you know, a great viewer question too is, you know, from Guy who asks, you know, what's the approach to distribution? You know, how can people get a hold on? Are you going to be using a lot of the same channels that you were using? Um, uh, when it was under both. So Guy um, is a good friend uh, of Nat Sherman International, of the townhouse, a member, um, a great New Yorker, great preacher. Um, So that is probably the last question to finally answer, um, which is our final route to market. And we're, we've spent the better part of the last month and a half really scrutinizing all of those options. Um, and, uh, you know, as you can imagine, the, the options are endless. And the good news is 
we have the benefit of time to make sure that that we um, that we do it thoughtfully and correctly. So that's exciting. Um, but I don't know for sure. Um, but to answer that question, high level guy, um, the stores where Nat Sherman International's portfolio was sold historically, with the exception of the townhouse, uh, will hopefully uh, bring them back. Yeah. So I would hope that any place you were able to find the cigars before, you will be able to find them again. I also hope that um, for retailers that didn't think the portfolio was a fit in their store for whatever reason, uh, whether they didn't resonate with it, uh, whether they didn't resonate with our ownership, it's no secret that that um, you know there were some uh, strong feelings against doing business with us um, because we were affiliated with cigarettes uh, even early on or um, even after the acquisition. You know, hopefully this is a this is a new proposition. This is a proposition to do business with uh, what will hopefully be the newest startup slash prop up uh, in our industry. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, hopefully that's exciting. So, guy, I would just tell you um, to just keep searching and keep looking. Um, it will not be a secret when they're available, guy. Trust me. So, <laughs> the moment they are available for sale. You're going to know about it. Hopefully, everyone's going to know about it. And yeah. we'll let you know where to find it. But in the meantime, I would in- just encourage everybody to look for the products now. We sold a tremendous amount of inventory into market. Yeah. And retailers have the product. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and and most retailers didn't blow it out because it's perfect product. And it's product that people are looking for. So uh, I would just tell you if you're if you're out and you're looking to just start searching and and yeah. uh, and you're going to find it. Absolutely. And then that also empties the pipeline. So I got something to fill. <laughs> That's right. That's win, right. Win. Go go clear the 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 uh, the current Nat Sherman clear the shelves off the shelf so mm-hmm. it makes uh, free space for uh, Michael to get some uh, get some new product on there. So I. This, this one's kind of a personal question that I actually didn't even think to ask uh, when I was writing up show notes, but it just occurred to me, and I'm, I'm just curious from a personal standpoint, if when all this was fluctuating and, and, you know, things started happening, going back to, you know, even going back to, say, July of last year, was there, did you have a little window or a couple times where you thought to yourself, maybe, maybe I'm going to move out of the premium cigar space and get into a, you know, a different line of work. Was that ever something that crossed your mind? The thought of course crossed my mind. Um, it's, it's tough for me to pinpoint timing. Um, but look, I'm a, I'm a married father of two girls, um, that lives in New Jersey and, uh, you know, there's a tremendous amount to think about. So, um, you know, what better way to maintain full stability in my family than to go out as an entrepreneur and buy a, buy a cigar company? No. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, it, 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 uh, it crossed my mind. And I had, you know, again, knowing, knowing this, this was sort of at least a possibility, um, 
there was also a chance, by the way, that we could have sold the company and whoever bought the company, I wouldn't have gone with the transaction. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, with all of that unknown, I certainly had uh, a lot of conversations with um, with friends, friends in the restaurant business, hospitality business, um, menswear, wine and spirits, you know, all my favorite things. I've, look, I've I wanted to be a drummer. We talked about this last time on the show. I wanted to be a drummer because it was my passion. It was my favorite thing to do. And I wanted to turn my passion into a profession. I did exactly that. I just did it with something different. Um, Millie Vanilli cover band. Solid. I would have done it. I would have done it. Hell yeah. Uh, When it was time to really scrutinize all the options before there were options. Right. Really just scrutinize in my head. I, I wrote down my passions. You know, I just made a list of the things I love to do when I'm not smoking cigars, um, playing music, dressing up. And as it turns out, there's, there's nothing I love to do more, uh, than enjoy cigars. Uh, Literally, I have no interests. I don't play sports. I don't play cards. I have no hobbies. My entire life um, is my family and the premium cigar industry. And I can't remember if I said it on your show or a different show, but with the exception of my parents, my twin sister, my blood relatives, with the exception of um, my friends pre-18 who I've remained in touch with, there isn't a thing valuable in my life that I can't connect back to the premium cigar business. That includes my wife. I'm, I met her while I was working in the premium cigar business about to do a cigar event. I mean, ev- everything I have, I can connect back. Yeah. And uh, so that was one of those like kind of resounding, eye-opening uh realizations yeah the other thing um and i I don't think i have shared this part but i'm happy to when when i look back over my career i feel really fortunate that even though i was connected specifically to brands or companies for most of it davidoff for nine years nat sherman for nine years um i was still i think Maybe not more industry than brand, but um, I've always tried to be an advocate for industry. Mm-hmm. The reality is um, the ability to be an industry advocate uh, was challenging. It was challenging with um, with the Sherman family, having nothing to do with their support for the industry, but only because of... Um, some of the adjacent risk as a cigarette brand. Uh, And I I don't think a lot of people really understand just Mm -hmm. how difficult um, the attachment to cigarettes can be when you're, when you're trying to tell what can sometimes seem like competing messages. Right. Um, But there's, there is true genuine risk. Uh, And so that really limited my ability to uh, to advocate in a more 
public way. Yeah. Uh, and if, you know, in, in addition, obviously, to growing this brand and growing our company and growing all of um, the, the sort of Ferriotego halo, uh, I really hope to give back to my industry and help prop up the folks who have really left it all on the field advocating for the industry. Uh, Jeff Borshowitz, Rocky, Robbie Levin, um, Carlito, you know, these are, and it goes on and on and on, you know, all the, all the CRA uh, principal members, the, the, the PCA supporters, brick and mortar retailers who have gone to their local offices, uh, signed petitions, all that, all of that grassroots work, we certainly, we did as much as we could do, um, maybe even a little more that uh, certainly couldn't be seen, but at least we made the effort to do it. But going back to your question, how could I turn my back on an industry that has carried me for 20 years? It's, you know, it's just not, uh, it's just not the right thing to do. Yeah. So I feel like I have the most to give this industry. Yeah. And uh and that's what I'm that's what I'm counting on. And so that was the decision before the decision um to launch Ferriotego or the decision to um to acquire the former Nat Sherman International Marks. Yeah. But once that decision was made, it made the rest a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Well, and I, I forget who our guest was the, the, the show um, that happened right after the news launched, but I remember them saying, can you imagine being Michael Herklot's phone right now? Yeah. <laughs> that it yeah. had to have been going nuts because you are so well loved and so well respected oh, it was, it in was, this uh, industry. It was Eric from Cigar Dojo. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So, you know, uh, obviously you have, you have built uh, a reputation that is very commendable and respectable in the industry. Well, and I, 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 I want to go one further than that. And I'm this, this is really true. And this is something I learned from a mentor forever ago. And that is when, you look at any type of business, any, any classification of business, you, you find people who are ambassadors within that business and premium cigars is one of those industries and premium cigars is it, it's not just the business and the industry of it, but it, it, it's also a very particular type of culture that surrounds it. And when you look at an ambassador within that culture, the good ones are ones who are ambassadors for their brand. The great ones are ones who are ambassadors for the whole culture in, in addition to their brand. And no, no, uh, you know, just real talk. You are one of those people. You are one of those people that is, you're an ambassador for the whole, the whole culture of premium cigars beyond just your own brand because of what you just said. Yep. You know, because it's 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 something that's in you that you you came to this sort of realization that what else am I going to do? This is who I am. 
So, and that's, that's why I, I just believe there's full success for you in the future with this. 100%. Um, now I want to ask real quick about, let's say hypothetically, we've got some trade shows happening this year. What do you envision your involvement being in any of the trade shows that may or may not happen this year? The fullest extent we can afford, which is a, that's a, you know, it's going to be tough. We had a, we had a three by five. So that's a 30 by 50 foot booth. Maybe it was, might've been 50 by 40. It was our biggest booth ever last year. Uh, towers and banners, 15 people. This year, uh, I got me and Brendan. So I have absolutely no idea what trade show looks like. What I can tell you is every single trade event that we are invited to or eligible to participate in that will allow us to get face-to-face with our retailers, mm-hmm. um, our trade partners, we're going to do as long as we can afford to do it. And if we yeah. can't afford to be there, then maybe we can be virtual. Um, but, you know, what we're – this is a two-man operation. Um, you know, we don't have uh, phantom investors <laughs> – we don't have some uh, hedge fund that has come in, you know, flaxed around. Um, you didn't get a call from Jeff Bezos? Although I was going to say, it's funny enough, I was talking to a buddy of mine who is like one of these really like serial entrepreneurs that I'm just so impressed with people like that, you know? And they're like, are you still raising money? And I was like, raising money? No, we just spent the money. <laughs> We mean raising money. And he's like, you what? Yeah, there is so no apparently. Money. Apparently, we we might have failed the first step of entrepreneurialism. <laughs> um, but but I will tell you, hopefully that that uh, and I hope I'm not sharing too much. But um, you know, for for me, it's a it's a it's a point of pride, and yeah. I know it is for for Brendan too. Like we are all in. Yeah, this is our skin in the game. This is not. Um, you know, this is not Shark Tank. This isn't, uh, you know, there's no Ponzi here. Right. Yep. We are all in a thousand percent to build a new legacy under Ferriotego that will make my family proud, that'll make Brendan's family proud, That'll make our industry proud. That'll make our manufacturing partners proud. And when you say the words Ferriotego, it should do something to you. Yeah. You should relate in a meaningful, uh, emotional way. Uh, because I, I believe this is going to be the greatest comeback success story uh, I really believe it, and and uh, I'm just so excited to get started. Yeah, and, and in the meantime, I have a fundraising page. <laughs> <laughs> Click here for my. Patreon. I have a Kickstarter that I just set up while we were having. 
Yeah, like Kickstarter would ever do anything related to the word tobacco. Oh. They would, they'd probably can I, can I that tell you down. something, man? That realization, uh, and I've known it for years. Yeah. The realization that not only are we up against regulation, we're up against smoking bans, we're up against uh, confusion on um, on consumer use use, uh, use patterns. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're also just up against people who have decided <laughs> uh, to not take our business. Yeah, which there are so many other cases um, and case studies where when one group is is excluded, it's illegal. Right. And here we are ready to do business. You know, we like to pay you a fee to process our credit cards. No, we like to pay you to build our website. No. Yep. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's staggering. And even, I mean, even for just little, you know, little old, how about that cigar? It's if for, for pretty much any other business, if you want to do things like uh, promote a post or something like that on Facebook or Instagram, you can't, you, can't, you can't do it. You can't even pay to advertise. Yeah. Can't mm-hmm. pay to advertise. You can't get monetized on YouTube. Well, I mean, Porn, yeah. Drugs. Crypto exactly. all day long. Yep. Exactly. It's all good. Exactly. I, I do hope, though, as we start, I am very bullish. Um, I'm not naive, but I am bullish that if we're starting to read the tea leaves of what's happening in defining premium cigars over and over and over, memorializing it in multiple places. Um, without deviating from that definition, which I understand is not a full premium cigar industry shared definition. And I recognize that that presents a lot of challenges for my peers who are in sort of some of the fringe that has fallen off this definition. And I, I totally feel for them. Uh, Most of the premium cigar uh, skews live within most of this definition. And I have to believe that if we establish that definition and hold firm, that that definition will benefit the whole of our industry um, in a pretty meaningful way especially if we can then reapply that definition to things like a credit card processing or right. uh web builders or advertising or any of those things and who knows that might be pipe dream stuff but um i i hope that that this definition um that has now been memorialized a few times and one that was also memorialized in our comments when we submitted them in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, it's good for the many of our industry. And, right. and I recognize that it does uh, present 
challenges for a few. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I hope that, um, that it really becomes bedrock for the future of litigation, regulation, and all the other challenges we're up against. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, so you talked a, a minute ago about, um, you know, exposure, uh, trade shows and, and things like that. And part of that leads into um, our newest sponsor here is, uh, is Smoke In, uh, Abe DeBabna. And who? So who? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've heard that name before. So he um, um, he let us know that you were going to be the uh, one of the co-hosts at the Great Smoke 2021, the virtual experience, the digital experience, I should say. So um, tell us how you got how you got involved in that, and and uh, you know what uh, what your role is going to be. Are are you going to be the, uh, the the Dean Martin of the evening, or the Tony Romo, or the to- Tony Romo? Yeah. Oh, I don't like that one. I know. I'll go with Dean Martin. Yeah, let's go. I'm going to go with Dean. I like Dean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Dean on this one. Um, I'll be honest. This is a this is a totally new um, concept. I think it's fair to say nothing like this has ever been attempted in the premium cigar industry, um, which makes all the more sense that Abe would be the one crazy <laughs> enough That's uh, right. to yeah. say, what if we just do it all with cameras and, uh, you know, ship out a thousand packs and what could, what could possibly go wrong with what that? I think it's going to be great. We haven't had a single it issue in, uh, you know, the <laughs> months of quarantine. we don't buffer anymore. Who buffers? So, uh, what's, what's amazing about this. First of all, your Abe, Abe has done a uh, a multi vendor event for many years. Um, I think it's safe to say, and he might criticize me for saying this, but I don't mind saying it. Um, I think it's fair to say Cigar Aficionado really pioneered this idea of multi vendor events with their big smoke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's only one criticism of of the big smoke was that it never related to commerce. You know, it was really about exposure, but there was no commerce to be done at the event. Big Smokes are still tremendous events, um, engaging with principals and all those things, but it's not a sales event. Um, and Abe, very early on, saw an opportunity to be inspired by Big Smoke to make Great Smoke and tweak it in a way that it made it retailer to con- excuse me, to consumer as opposed to um, magazine or manufacturer purely for social. Um, So he's always been so innovative and ahead of the curve as far as um, innovating the consumer experience with, um, with his business. And I've always admired it. So, he was probably the last major premium cigar event to get uh, pulled off in 2020. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I I can't remember when we spoke, but we spoke shortly after it uh, just kind of casually. And uh, he's like, dude, I don't know what I'm going to do if this is still going on next year. He's like, but there's no way it's, there's no way we're doing this a year from now. Right. No, no way. (laughs) Like, yeah, a year. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, Here we but are. Then, but then we spoke again, kind of casually in, uh, I guess this fall, late summer, early fall. And he said, uh, just shooting the shit. And, and I said, how's great smoke looking? And he's like, dude, we're, we're, we're going to work on something that's a little bit out of the box here, but just to, just to cover our base in the worst case scenario. And he was telling me about this whole idea of, you know, being in person and being virtual. And I said, man, if there's one downside to the great smoke, it's that you have to be there. And there's a lot of people I'm sure who would love to go who just can't get on airplanes to be in West Palm beach on a Saturday. So I think this is incredible no matter what, whether we're quarantined or not, like just let's do it. And so he ran down that, uh, that rabbit hole uh, full force and much to his credit, we are still in, in a quarantine to a large degree. Um, and, uh, and so he's ready to rock and roll. So this is an eight hour event, not unlike any other great smoke, except how do you manage the expectations of a thousand people on an eight hour event? Um, when they just click and pop in at that moment, what's right. happening mm-hmm. at that moment. Um, and that's really what we're finalizing right now is to get a really meaningful run of show that has scheduled segments of things that people can kind of tune in and tune out and hop out and hop back in. Um, and you know, eight hours in a social event like the great smoke, you, you, you're on, but you're not on right. for eight hours. But when you're talking about a virtual event, the energy that it requires to deliver something that's engaging yeah. through this thing, that requires a tremendous amount of energy and organization. Um, so he actually asked me in, I want to say it was like, uh, July, June, maybe. Um, so early conversation was spring. Cause he asked me in the summer whether to do it. And it was before we had announced that we weren't going to sell. Um, and so I was like, bro, I'm, I'm in like, you want me to co-host? I'll co-host. I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> yes, thousand percent. No problem. I'm in. I said, the only problem is I might not have a company. Right. And he's like, Oh, I don't give a shit about that. Right. Yeah. I was like, well, thanks, Abe. You know, that. <laughs> and he said, no, no, no. You know, that's not what I mean. But like, so what, you know, if, if you can be there as a company and represent your company, be there as your company. If not, then just be there and let's do it. And so I said, a thousand percent, let's do it. I was also thinking we would be in a much different place with this <laughs> pandemic than right. we are today. Right. Um, so if the conversation I just had before I came out here for this show is any indication, I will be the guy in the wetsuit with the helmet on and uh, a snorkel. But I am going to be there. I am totally going to be there. So that uh, it's it's a good segue. It is a great segue. Actually, into this week's Numero de los Muertos. And guys, as always, Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by Smoke In. Take just a minute, if you would, pay attention to the screen. And if you're listening on the audio podcast, give this a listen. On February 20th, 
2021, we will be taking on the endeavor of putting on an eight hour virtual event, one like you've never seen before. For your ticket price of approximately $169 delivered to your door, you will get the TGS party in a box. This box will be filled with everything you'll need for our virtual event, including opportunities to purchase cigars at epic deals, epic packages, and some very special exclusive cigars being made from us by some of the most epic manufacturers in the industry. Carlito Fuente, Pete Johnson, Steve Saka, Aganor Salif, Perdomo Cigars, just to name a few. There's a very limited supply. Head over to thegreatsmoke.com, purchase your ticket, and get your party in the box. We'll see you soon. Peace. So, as always, guys, like we said, Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by Smoke okay. and Cigars. So, uh, Garrett, what do you have for us this week? Well, it's, it's a fun one. So, I went, I went back and I watched the show the last time we had Michael on the show back in, in May. And it was dark. Was it? It was really dark. It was really dark. I don't remember. Yeah. It was like the show? The, the the segment numero de los muertos the specific oh, okay. yeah it was it was pretty dark so oh fun well this is not dark and I'm I'm guessing that this is actually probably going to be a quick one okay I'm taking notes all right here we go <laughs> I want to get this one right so this is a a, a a ten year span between 2007 and 2017 an average now hold on I got to interrupt you there's there's viewers already putting guesses in the in the comments that's no fair. Hey, no guesses yet. We haven't even we don't we, we don't even have a number yet. Shark we got to slow your roll and wait for the number and a you, couple clues. Come on. All right. <laughs> 10 year average 2007 to 2017 37 people a year die from this in New York. 37 people. Uh, can, we, can we just guess right off the bat? Yeah, oh, just yeah. go. Infections from a rat bite. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good one. No. I love it, though. New York, 2007 to 2017. An 37 average, a year. 37 mm-hmm. a year died from this in New York. Mm-hmm. New York City, City. New York State. New York County. It is the entire state. The entire state. But New York State. I'm going to guess that at least 90% of these are in the city. Well, because New York City is pretty big. I mean, there's right. at least like a million people there, right? Does it have to do with food? <laughs> it does not have to do with food. Not food related? Okay. One, more silly, one more silly guess, Quentin. Uh, Quentin, I don't... Uh, you're not allowed to guess anymore. If you if we're talking New York City and you say jellyfish stings and alligator attacks, you're not allowed to make any more guesses. Uh, it is not carbon monoxide. It is not bicycles. Is it subway? Accidents? It is not. It is not subway. Is it mechanical? John Lovell with the wind. Is that it? It is. Is it elevator? Oh, hit by a kid. I would have thought it was more than that. I would have too. I so, can't believe it's not more. Than I ruled. That. I ruled that out right away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can remember a week. I saw four guys clipped in a cab. <laughs> so around in in around eight thousand people go to the ER uh, in a cab related accident of some kind, but uh, it on average between two thousand seven two thousand seventeen, thirty seven people a year die. 
as high wow. as 60 some years. That's uh I guess I was never actually there to check the pulse. Right. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I like that one. And the reason the reason that last time back on episode 59, the reason that was so dark, I think is because it took us forever <laughs> to come up with the answer. And it was something about theater. Val Bradshaw actually had the answer. And it was something yeah. about theater accidents, people dying on oh, stage yeah, or yeah. something like that. Oh, yeah. That's right. And it, it, it because basically, it, I seriously, I swear to God, it took us 20 minutes just to come up with an answer for that and one. I think, yeah, we got dark in the process. <laughs> 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 Uh, congratulations, John! Yeah, well done, John. As always, we we got some we got some regular viewers that are pretty quick with the answers. So well yeah. done. Now, Chad, you got to. I think Chad needs to get back. Chad on game. was getting in on the answers before the number was even put out there. So Come on, Chad. Chad and Quentin, you got to slow your roll a little bit. <laughs> I'm gonna be watching you next time, Jellyfish. And that was this week's. I, I was actually thinking that could have been pretty good. I mean, like thirty-seven. <laughs> I would have gone for that in New York. Totally. Thirty-seven. I would think thirty-seven a month. Honestly, getting hit by a cat. I was. I was. Although, surprised it was. Although getting killed, thirty-seven. Yeah. That's Get, the, getting, that's the, getting injured. I bet the numbers in the thousands. Right, and that's yeah. why eight thousand a year. Oh, is it eight thousand a year? They get to injured. The ER. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That that sounds that that number makes sense. But only thirty-seven died. That's a pretty. That's a pretty good survival rate. Yeah, it is not bad. It is not yeah. bad. Just uh, yeah. Don't if there's if there's any vehicle anywhere in the world that you don't want to step out in front of, thinking they'll stop, they'll stop. <laughs> it's a New York cab driver. Don't you know? In fairness, though, they can never really go fast enough to have it be a you know a mortal yeah. wound. Yeah, that's true. So maybe that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> and that is this week's Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos brought to you by Smoke, Smoke In. So um, we had the last time you were on the show, We it was kind of toward the beginning of these lightning round questions, but we have some new ones drawn up. So, um, so Michael, if... If you could bring back any fashion trend from the past, what would it be and why? Uh, well, that's a good one. I think I think um... <laughs> <laughs> easy. It's no. not. It's not a family show, so you can say whatever. Uh, my answer is is uh, formality for time and place. Meaning identifying occasions deserving of a little more. Now, when I did that, I pictured um, old school New York and everyone in hats and suits and ties and black and white. So then my humorous answer was going to be black and white. But then I wasn't sure if that was going to translate (laughs) well to just bring back everybody being in black and white. And so I didn't say that one. Yeah. So, um, but it was inspired by this idea that, um, and it doesn't have to be suits and ties and hats, you know, walking yep. like this. Of course that was just the film, but it's really, uh, especially now 
in the depths of of quarantining i have really gone out of my way the last probably two months to dress up deliberately not to the extent that i used to to go to the townhouse every day but as a i mean just to wear a shirt with a collar on it yeah you know is a leap these days yeah yeah and i don't know about i don't know about you guys and and how you dress normally going to work or socially or when you're going out but i spent 20 years of my life uh the probably 80 percent of it in a collared shirt usually with a tie and a jacket and and it feels good now i was yeah. in an environment where it was also uh contextually appropriate so um but just the idea that an occasion could warrant dressing up or should warrant instead of someone you know it always being met with oh do i have to get dressed up you know can i just wear jeans and a blade what if i put a blazer on with my jeans like isn't that good enough like the idea that that um that going out being seen is is an opportunity to you know show off show yourself off a little like make yourself feel good i i just you know i think back to those times and um at least what has been reported about those times and what's amazing is those were not affluent times right yeah and they weren't doing it to look like they had money either like they weren't putting on a show you know let's not let's let's pretend we're not broken in a depression and uh you know let's go out and dress up but it just had to do with when you're leaving your home when you're going into a store when you're going to church where you're going to a movie that that's that's something to celebrate yeah and you know certainly now post pandemic and i think it's interesting that that period historically was post pandemic um interesting yeah i think there's going to be a lot of excuse to just to go out on the town to get dolled up to put yeah. on your best you know like take advantage of it yeah yep. it's out of respect for the occasion yeah. And the people you're with and the yeah. people who will see you and the people who are serving you. And it's, it's just about, it's, you're taking simple moments and simple things and you're elevating them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this, this question I have to put on the screen, does her clock to own a pair of gray sweatpants asking for protocol cigars? Juan can't sell. thousand percent. <laughs> I had them on right before I came down. <laughs> I almost kept them on <laughs> and, and just put the top on. There you go. I actually, I literally have a pair of gray sweatpants. There you go. It's the only pair of sweatpants I own, <laughs> but they do happen to be gray. <laughs> Love it. All right. Um, who was your childhood or teenage celebrity crush? Ooh. In all honesty, I don't think I had one. Um. Huh? Not in that typical sense of like I, I had a poster of uh, like Farrah Fawcett or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the the one that just immediately jumped out to me though, um, as one of the first women I remember identifying as hot, um, was the scene in Christmas Vacation 
when he goes when Chevy Chase goes over to the lingerie counter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then Russ walks over. He's, he's like, walking. "Can't see the line, can you, Russ?" <laughs> right. That whole scene. Uh, you know, she was pretty hot. So yeah. maybe that was like the first. Uh, I don't know. That's a really. That's a. I never thought about it, but I really. I've never been one of those uh, like celebrity um, inspired stalkers. Well, and I love your answer because this and this one goes out to our friend Bear Duplissy, who man, who I love hates, Bear. He hates Chevy Chase. I mean, he absolutely loathes him. I don't like Bear. (laughs) (laughs) So somebody please tag Bear Duplissy right now so he can know. Let me tell you, man. (laughs) When the opening scene of Fletch comes on and he's roller skating, I'm already done. I'm already in the full double over stomach ramp. I mean, forget it. And and <laughs> Dr. Rosen scene, that that scene is just and I can recite the whole thing and I came here, the here. River. Dr. Rosen. I watched Christmas Vacation. So I watch Christmas Vacation probably four times a year. Usually two around the holidays and then like once or twice if I'm traveling or whatever. Yeah. And still uh I can't get through, you know, uh I mean name it. The squirrel scene, yeah. um, even the opening with with the Christmas card, and he's like corporate card, sir. And he goes away, and he's like, "Thank you, yeah, very Merry yeah. Christmas." Kiss my ass, kiss your ass, kiss his ass. Happy, happy Monica, Monica. That, that was one of the early, like as a kid when I saw that. That was like one of the first asthma attack inducing yes. movies. Why is the floor all wet, Todd? <laughs> I don't know, Margo. <laughs> We could do the whole thing. We could. Oh. Well, and Matt and I, uh, you know, uh, quite often say it's all bear- ball bearings these days. It's all ball bearings these days. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my favorite line, and I had to be obviously very cognizant of uh, of who I said it to, Um. Anytime something came into the store or we're setting up for an event, anything, and someone says, where do you want me to put this? <laughs> every time. Every time. I can't even. That's my goal. I can't even get through it. I don't even have to say it anymore. <laughs> like, half the time, they actually come back to me and said, I wasn't talking to you. I know. I know. But. Like it's the greatest line I think in the in the history of cinema. And, ben, and then just took the Jason mask down and hit the incredible. Oh. The application for that, right? In in any oh. anything, even if a cust like I would I would do the Chevy Chase Chase laugh if someone walked up to me in the store and was like, "Excuse me, uh, where do you have padrones?" <laughs> and I'd be like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's incredible. <sighs> Can't breathe. Uh, 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 there is nippy in here. What did I say? Nipple? <laughs> nipple? <laughs> nipple? <laughs> what do I, 
and he's wiping his brow with underwear. Hotter than they, hotter than they are. <laughs> Look, Rush, you can't see the line. Uh, well, ooh. for anyone who doesn't like Chevy Chase or uh, Christmas Vacation, I apologize for the last seven minutes. But... <laughs> That was well worth it. That was worth it. I uh, think it was worth it. That was great. All right, so let's let's move into the notable smokable for the week. Um, you might remember this last time we we each week we mentioned a cigar that we've smoked recently that that uh, caught our interest. It could be old, something that's been on the market forever, something that's new to the market that we just tried for the first time. Um, so, Michael, is there anything you smoked recently that uh, could be an old favorite or or a new favorite that uh, really kind of caught your eye? Um, yes. <laughs> um, could Would you, you like more? Could, yeah. you, could you tell us what cigar was that, that was? Was it made by Quaker State? <laughs> was it made by Quaker State? So uh, I can answer all, all three scenarios. So <laughs> an old one um, that I've fallen back in love with is the Speciale. Because mm. I've been smoking lots of um, samples, and now I, I blend in 6x50 now. Uh, I used to blend in narrower formats, but using 6x50 is, is a much better sort of barometer on how it's going to go from, say, a 42 to a 60. So I've been smoking a lot of 6x50s and uh, fallen out of the more elegant formats and smoking these the last couple of shows that I've done. I just really uh, – I just love it. So that's one that I've fallen back in love with. Um, but a new one – um, my good buddy, Hostos Fernandez, who is, uh, the nephew to Manolo Casada and who I've known since he was probably, I don't know, 16. And I was, uh, in my early twenties, maybe he was 18. He was still in school. Um, he's just opened up his own cigar factory called Tabacalera La Isla. And, um, you know, we've, we've always, been very close and shared stories as you know major changes in his life major changes in my life met a girl met a girl get married get married a kid like all of these things i've just been a couple years ahead and um but now he's gone off and uh and started his own factory having worked in his family factory for years having worked for cigar rings now has opened up the bacalera la isla and so he sent me some samples and uh and so I'm, I just started smoking through them over the last maybe five or six days. And uh, they're they're very, very good. Nice. Very good. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm super excited for what he's doing. These are really Absolutely. just kind of his, his preliminary kind of showcase blends. Like here are some options, the types of things I can do, and then you kind of get in the weeds with it. Um, but if these, if these sort of just – broad high level prototypes are any indication of uh of what he can do he's going to be um he's going to be a real player oh that's great very that's cool very cool well, he was well, actually on um on smoke in's kiss my ash show kma radio this past yeah. saturday okay um so that's okay. probably worth a, a view too for sure but man Absolutely. it's uh damn good yeah nice what was yours this week? Uh, for me, it was, uh, well, it was just today. I had to, so I got a box of uh, Davidoff Yamasas 
and um, I couldn't let it sit, and I had to break into it and right off the truck. It's been a while since I've had one, and it's that's, yeah, it's good stuff. It's a really yeah, and and thank you, Garrett gave me one of those. I'm gonna smoke that probably. I want I want to age it, but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna smoke it tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and my notable smokable of the week is the Crux Limitada PB5 from 2020, right. which uh, yeah, it's no spoilers, but the review is going to be posted soon on HowAboutThatCigar.com. And spoiler alert, it's good. I haven't smoked a lot of Crux. But the ones I smoke always impress me. Yeah, yeah. they really they Solid. they've done a good job. I mean they they've they've got the uh, you know production at Placencia, so you know that that right away is a good good place to start. But uh, good stuff from Crux, definitely. Um, so for our viewers and listeners, give you guys an idea of some stuff we have coming up in the near future on uh, February first. We're going to talk to Matthew Hunt from FQ Cigars. And then, so this one we had to reschedule, and we're, we're very grateful. So for those of you who, who aren't aware, um, Jose Blanco was uh, hospitalized for a little while with, uh, with COVID-19. And uh, we had a show scheduled for the last Saturday in January. And obviously, I, uh, I knew that that was going to be uh, off the books uh, and he contacted me when he got home from the hospital and he said he still wanted to do the show. I said, Jose, let's push it back a little bit. Let's give you a little more time to rest. But he's uh, he's just one of the most phenomenal people I've ever known. And we're so excited to have a special Saturday broadcast with him to talk about his role with uh, Arturo Fuente International uh, Sales Director. And Is that he, a new company? It's a, Yeah, it's a new <clears throat> new startup. Is it? Okay. New start, yeah. Arturo Fuente. Yeah. Um, uh, but he's he's one of those people with a wealth of tobacco knowledge and uh, also just an incredible human being uh, through and through. Legit rock star. So uh, and then uh, we have more awesome stuff coming up uh, beyond that, too. So, you know, stay tuned through. Uh, I mean, we're coming up on episode 100, which is just insane. So uh, we're grateful to our viewers and listeners for that. Um Michael, give give our viewers and listeners where's the best place they can keep up with because we know there's going to be announcements and things like that coming. So where's the best place where they can keep up on uh, on the info from uh, Ferry Otego? Um, either on my all my personal platforms, so uh, <clears throat> at Michael Herklotz, whether it's on Instagram, uh, Facebook, or Twitter, um, at Michael Herklotz, and then Ferry Otego. Uh, is Instagram and Facebook Ferriotego and Ferriotego Cigars on Twitter. Okay, excellent. Well, Michael, I'm still recovering <laughs> from laughing about the Chevy Chase conversation, and yep. we we had an absolute blast um, from from Garrett and I uh, and all our our viewers and listeners. We we are so excited for you guys, and we wish you nothing but an absolute phenomenal. 2021 beyond your your wildest expectations yep. and we look forward to to uh seeing what you guys bring to us i really appreciate it i appreciate what you guys do um i mean it's funny i when when you were gracious enough to ask me back on i'm thinking to myself you know i was just on and, <laughs> yeah. then, I, and then i looked up and it was like may and then i had to use my fingers to like count to where we are today and i was like wow that went so fast you know yeah, yeah. um but I was 
grateful when you had me on the first time, and I certainly appreciate you having me on this time. And uh, hopefully, even despite the uh, wheezing through the through the Chevy Chase uh, <laughs> scenes, you'll have me back again once Absolutely. we're in market. And hopefully, uh, maybe we can do one of these live yes. together, enjoying yes. a cigar like gentlemen. And uh, I'd love to do it. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thank you uh, again, all our viewers and listeners, as always. Uh, you can find us on social media at HBT Cigar. If you have questions for Garrett or I, uh, send us an email directly on the website, uh, howaboutthatcigar.com. And until we see you guys next time, burn cigars, not fridges. Thanks, guys. Take thank care. You.